Hi, welcome to the fourth episode of And uh, a podcast with myself and Matt Ulamoid. I can never say his name still, but that's no, that's not a big deal. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, we are here with Rick Trozzi, and I'm going to ask you one question before I go any further. Okay. Is that legitimately how you say your last name? Not if you actually speak Hungarian. Ooh. I've been told by Hungarians, they're like, that's not how you pronounce that. And I'm like, well, that's how we pronounce <laughs> it. No, you nailed it. Like, okay, I, cool. I respond to anything that is Rick to whatever. Okay. Sometimes it's Taroxy, sometimes well, it's Turkozy, sometimes tr- it's Trosi. Like, last name knows. I feel your pain. <laughs> yeah. Got a French last name, Hulamard. Yeah. Yeah. We were like, Hulamard? What? The first time I ever heard of Rick. Was in, in I, I he was cc'd on an email and someone said like could you email this dude this and then I looked at it and I was just like for ten minutes I was like tip tip okay I'm gonna just wait until somebody says it <laughs> yeah. so is that how you guys initially met is that good well like, well but I'm gonna finish my introduction oh yeah oh sorry right. yeah we're still we totally sorry. derailed you <laughs> totally it's fine but we are here with uh, Rick Tarosi, uh who I did not know was Hungarian but we just learned. Uh, fresh off the presses. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Breaking news. Breaking news. <laughs> Woo. Uh, and he is the founder of Pi mm-hmm. uh, and has done, I assume, other things he would like to tell us about. Um, and uh, is really well known around Portland. I have always jo- jokingly called him the startup king of Portland uh, yeah. when people ask me who this man is. Because um, you, your fingers are everywhere. It's just because I've been here so long. Well, and I people know, can't still. get me to go away. Yeah. Well, yeah, they try. <laughs> they try. Could you here. leave? Yeah, but really, you again? Yeah, that guy. Are you still in the intro? Are you still in the intro? Are we out of here? Are we still in it? This is the best intro ever. But anyway, without further ado, welcome to episode four, and we'll get started. So Matt apparently has a question for the class. I forgot. Yeah, I forgot now. The intro took so long. Yeah, that was a terrible intro. Hope you enjoyed. Hope you enjoyed the intro. I'd redo it, but no, it's all good. No, I was uh, yeah, I was just thinking like, what what are you up to these days? Uh, oh, <laughs> um, well, couple couple big main things around Pi that we're working on. If people aren't familiar with Pi, we should we that? should reference that too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, you Definitely. would do it more eloquently than okay. I would. I mean, at its very most basic, Pi is an ongoing experiment to figure out how more established organizations like corporations, educational institutions, government can effectively collaborate with the Portland startup community for mutual benefit. So both sides need to be getting something out of it, and we try and be the kind of like diplomatic envoy to help those relationships happen. So um, it's been a co-working space, it's been an accelerator, it's been a consultancy. Um, It's kind of back to being an accelerator, which I'm really happy about. I kind of missed mucking around with startups day to day, Mm -hmm. so that's been great. Um, But it's kind of for the first time, Pi is going to take kind of parallel tracks where instead of just being one program, it's going to be two. So we'll have one focused on kind of traded sector technology and products that, um, you know, stuff that would be exported outside of Oregon or worldwide. And then the other part of it is very much focused on manufacturing and designing physical objects. Oh, okay. So okay. that's a new project okay. called Pi Shop that's going to be, we've talked a little bit about it, but it's going to be launching in the next couple of months. And so that, again, same kind of like cohort-driven mentor, highly intensive mentorship kind of project, but focused on a very different industry from what we've done 
before, and those will both be going simultaneously. That's awesome. Yeah, I feel like yeah. there's a lot of great minds for that here in Portland, too, that can share their knowledge. Yeah. In terms of makers and making yep. physical, physical things. And I think um, it, I'm super excited about that, especially when you think about all the wealth of knowledge we have in the suburbs at Tektronix yeah. and yeah, Intel yeah, and all exactly. that kind of stuff where we would, we've tried to engage with those companies in the past, but there's always been a slight disconnect because they're like, we don't, we don't do software as a service or mm-hmm. we don't understand web or mobile. And so the hardware becomes that thing where they're like, oh, we get that. We know how to manufacture things, so I'm hoping that's a interesting point of reference to get some of those collaborations going. That's exciting. Yeah. So we know where you're at. Yep. But one of the things I've always been hazy on, <laughs> I just, I just like when people talk about it, I just like I totally know what you're talking about. Uh, is when they talk about the founding of Pi. Yeah. Which. Um, not to get too Portland businessy, it comes up a lot, actually. Like, mm-hmm. people, it's like this mysterious thing. And I just have always pretended that I know what the story is. What the backstory yeah, is. And, and, yeah, and and if if that's okay, I would love to know, like, how did you get started doing that? Oh, and yeah. Then, and then even, like, what were you doing before that? Because I've always just associated you with that. With Pi. Yeah, yeah, which is fair. I mean, we've been working on it almost a decade now. Yeah, so okay. it's kind of, it's been around for a while. Um, and it was all just a series of accidents that brought about <laughs> Pi. But, I mean, specifically to the founding of Pi, I was writing Silicon Florist, which is a side project blog that I write. Yeah. Um, and slaughter the English language on a regular basis through that blog. And um, Wyden & Kennedy, which people don't know Wyden & Kennedy, is a global advertising firm headquartered (laughs) here in Portland, Oregon. My my favorite thing is the new Oregon anime whatever. Whoever smoked a bunch of pot Mm -hmm. and then was like, I got an idea. That person deserves a You hug. know what we need to do? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dragon yeah. boats in yeah. front of the cherry blossoms <laughs> in anime. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, Wyden did that work. They do the, they do the work for Travel um, Oregon. They were, you know, they're probably most famous uh, for being the people who created Nike Just Do It, mm-hmm. Coca-Cola Polar Bears. Yeah, the yeah. old Spice Guy. Like, that's all their work. The new... Colonel Sanders, the recurring kind yeah. of character trade-off. That's the kind of work that they do. So big brand advertising. They do great work. Headquartered here in Portland. And they reached out to me um, through a series of, of connections and basically said, hey, we want to get involved in the startup community, right. and you seem like you have you know some insight into what's happening. And I'm like, A, I write a blog, and, and B... It's crazy. You're widening Kennedy, yeah. like, um, and and it was really it was it was an interesting starting point because it was a very kind of both magnanimous and creating value for the agency. They they had a couple of particular challenges. One was they were so creative with their output that customers were starting to approach them with requests to be creative with technology, oh. but that wasn't a skill set that they'd had mm. in the past. And so they didn't they weren't staffed for that kind of technology stuff. The other part was they were starting to get approached by new and different customers that didn't behave the way a Coca-Cola <laughs> or a Nike yeah, behaved. They yeah. behaved like high-tech startups. Mm-hmm. And and so they wanted a better understanding of that culture. 
And so that was their that was their interest in getting okay, more exposed yeah. to the startup community. And my interest, of course, was well, we have this growing startup community. We need kind of a hub of activity, and they had some space that was open in their building, and so they're like, well, why don't we put some startups in that space, and we'll figure out where it goes from there. Such a game so that's, Yeah, that's kind of yeah. where I started. That's that's awesome. So yeah. it was very organic, just kind of, yep. hey, we have A and B. Yep. Let's bring them together. Yep, and it was the, you know, it was conversation started in probably 2008, and, you know, we were in the middle of the mortgage crisis. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of open real estate. Yeah. I so. moved here in 2008, uh. and it really sucked. <laughs> yeah. I graduated in 05. Yep. It was a weird time in Portland. Mm-hmm. Everywhere. Well, and the Pearl yeah. was still not... It wasn't the Pearl. It, it wasn't was, the Pearl. No, the Pearl was not safe. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. Yeah, so the Pearl <laughs> District of Portland at that point in time was still very much a lot of art galleries, you know, some restaurants and coffee shops, but no startup activity, really. And yeah. so we kind of became that initial... Um, hub of the the growing startup community at that time, That's and awesome. it just kind of went from there. Yeah, because uh, correct me if my if I'm wrong, but uh, like Urban Airship yep. and Cloudability, they yep. all were kind of first first through that program. Wow. So Urban Airship, um, Simple, uh, Simple too. Like, yeah, and, uh, I love Simple. Yeah, yeah, Thanks for providing me a great yeah. banking service. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Cloudability was in the first accelerator class that we mm-hmm. had. Um, you know, some other great companies we've had through Supportland, Placemaker. Yeah, um, met him the other day. Yeah, he was in the office. Yeah, cool. Uh, outdoor Project, um, company called Apthlac that got acquired by Amazon. Um, so a bunch of really interesting companies. We experimented with, can you accelerate a nonprofit? Can Ooh, you accelerate okay. yeah. an open source project? Yeah. So, like, it was always this kind of ongoing experiment and... And really just trying to engage with not even necessarily companies that could be huge or, like, get a ton of funding, but really mm-hmm. just helping people understand what it means to be a founder yeah. because there's such a mystique mm-hmm. about that. And, you know, we always feel like it's our job to help people not only kind of demystify that experience, but help them choose whether once that's kind of revealed, they even want to be on that path or they'd yep, rather yep. be doing something else. So we tend to be really, really early stage with our founders. Yeah, that, that's actually a fascinating uh, kind of take on that because I, uh, I I work with Matt at a company called Carthook, uh, and I am not a founder in that company, but right before that experience, I tried to start my right. own company, yep. which folded, mm-hmm. but it was a great experience because yeah. it exposed me to a bunch of stress but then also, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but uh, you learned from that. But I learned a ton. Yeah. Like, I I, uh, I was sitting there, and I was like, oh, right like, up. that's what responsibility really feels like sometimes. Yep. And uh, Yeah, once you go through it and you meet these other founders, you get them. You can, you can get yeah, them, yeah, and you're yeah, like, yeah, oh, totally. I totally understand where you're coming yeah. from. Yep. Um, and it's super lonely, and, like, people don't mm-hmm. realize, like, how, you know, again, I think, po- and I think it's more difficult now that startups are kind of this popular culture, like, mm-hmm. um that people just don't realize how hard, hard. and lonely it really yeah. is. And so even just being able to sit around other people, like even in mm-hmm. co-working spaces, being able to sit around other people who are trying to do that, kind of leaning on one another, has a huge amount of value oh, to yeah. folks. Yeah, I mean, I know when I... It didn't even last that long, to be honest, but I know I would go to coffee shops, and a few days ago, 
there's a guy, and I have no idea what he does, but he's always at Cup and Bar mm-hmm. in a place up in Kenton. Yeah. And for a long time, he was like an extra in the movie of my life uh-huh. <laughs> where he was just always around, but sure. I, ne- I just knew him by sight. But he was always just grinding and having meetings and getting stuff done. And I, and I kind of weirdly looked up to him, and I thanked him the other day when I was in Cup and Bar. I was just like, this is going to be really awkward and weird, but thank you. And he was like, what? Why are you talking to me? And I was like, no, no, no. And I explained, like, you know, just seeing you, like, every day just try to, like, help bully me through, yep. like, a really rough time. And so I, I completely agree with that. that who was it? Reed Beals? I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, I'm kind of curious. Yeah. yeah, like, I want to know I'm who like, was he I'm trying to think of people I see sitting in coffee yeah. bar all the time. But, um, yeah. So hmm. I, I can see that. So, so did you just, were you, like, a writer before all this? Were you... I was on I was on the poet laureate track. It wasn't <laughs> yeah. going so well, yeah. so I decided to opt into something else. <laughs> no, so I went to school to be I'm an English major, um, mm-hmm. okay. and always had kind of a, a bent to be a writer, an editor, or something. And straight out of school, um, I stayed behind a coach lacrosse at my college like Whoa. you do when you have an English degree. That's basically what you do. Yeah. 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 And um, did that for a few years, but also wound up finding a literary agency in the town I went to school in and Whoa. started working to represent authors and discovered that much like demystifying being a founder, mm-hmm. demystifying what it means to be an author and the <laughs> publishing industry, yeah. I was like, okay, this is well, not for me. And so did that for a couple of years, wound up moving to Portland. Um, and Kept just, on writing. Right? Just, yeah, <laughs> just kind of like, I was like, well, I have this kind of writing skill. I, um, I always enjoyed editing more. Like, I always feel like I was one of those people who, I don't do anything terribly well, mm-hmm. But I can help you do whatever you want to do oh, nice, yeah. much better yeah. or help you achieve that level yeah. that you want, like an editor or a coach or whatever. Yeah, you could see things that other people don't, it sounds like. Right, yeah. and kind of refine things, mm-hmm. like hear, hear what people are saying and help them get to the core of that. Yep. So um, there was just a, you know, I didn't have a job, so there was a job ad. It was like, we need an editor at this little advertising agency and um, marketing agency. And so I responded to that, and they hired me, and my first client was a startup. And I was like, I had no idea that people could start companies. I was just like, I know companies started at some some point. point, There was somebody who started (laughs) Coca-Cola 125 years ago, but I didn't realize you could still do it. Mm -hmm. And this is like the Mm -hmm. mid-'90s. You know, and I'd been mucking around on the Internet and the web, and I'd always been kind of like a developer, a hobbyist developer. So Wait, very, are they going on the, on the side? No, no just, just purely hobbyist. Not okay. like just writing basic, Whoa. writing HTML like that because I found it interesting. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, oh, you kind of have that technical and you write, so go talk to the startup and figure out mm-hmm. what they're doing. Um, and that kind of happened to be one of those things where the startup got to the point of like, why are we paying this agency for you to do all this work? Why don't you just come work for us and we'll pay you? And I was like, oh, okay, that makes a lot more sense. So that does that, make a lot more sense. That's how I that's how I got started in the startup community. 
and um, bounced around to a few different companies. You know, none of them really exist. That startup that I was hired, I was hired to help them prepare for their IPO um, mm-hmm. in the dot-com days. And um, it was a early electronic medical record company and oh, wound okay. up getting acquired by GE Healthcare, which is still here in town. And um, about the only one that's, and one got acquired multiple times and eventually became part of Oracle. And then um, the only one that's still kind of an independent entity is a company called Digimark out in Beaverton that I worked at for a while. Um, I did that for about 12 years, just kind of bouncing around to different gigs. I was always kind of brought in as the um, writer, editor, brand management, marketing communications Mm -hmm. kind of guy. And I was starting to see, you know, I thought I was part of a startup community, but I was really starting to see this interesting activity in Portland where there hadn't really been startup activity before and and mostly around the open source mm-hmm. community okay. which was really intriguing to me and I was like here are people who are not motivated by the proprietary software and like financial gains they actually want to create they the best product they mm-hmm. possibly can yeah. and they want to collaborate with other people to make that happen in their free time that's that first spark right there yeah and <laughs> I was like I was like, this is super interesting. Yeah. And so I started to engage with that community a lot, which was very prevalent in Portland at that time. And there wasn't really a hub of open source activity, but Portland was kind of about as close as you could get to that. And when was this? When, like around, around when? This is probably 2005, oh, okay. 2006. Around there, and, and did you start Silicon Florist around that time? Right. Yeah. So here's the here's the Silicon Florist like founding moment was hanging out with these open source folks. I'm like, I used to write code as a hobbyist, but I don't think I have the skills to really commit to any of these projects. And my whole career has been based around talking to really talented engineers and translating that into intelligible English for kind of anyone <laughs> to understand. Yeah, bridging that gap. And then... It's and important. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then the um, the other part of Portland that was kind of a unique um, aspect for me was no one here seemed ter- terribly self-promotional. Hmm. They were all very, like, I always refer to it as aggressive humility. Okay. It's like, it doesn't matter what you're working on. It's like, oh, yeah, that's just my, I'm just doing that thing. And you find out later, it's like, oh, that's Ward Cunningham. He created the wiki. And you're like, wait, what? what? Um, (laughs) And and so I I was like, well, I can't contribute to the open source projects, but what I can do is open source my marketing Mm -hmm. and be like, I'll promote what you're doing or promote this project and I'll write it up and put it on my blog. And and I've been blogging since, you know, since you had to write code to have a blog, so like late 90s or so. Like a while. Yeah. One of the originals. I'd, I'd already been doing it for a while and, but there was no traffic or anything, you know, it was just kind of like, I wrote it because I was motivated to write. And I assumed that Silicon Florist would just be this kind of like journal for me. It would be there, yeah. It's like live yeah. journal. It's yeah. like my live <laughs> journal of the Portland startup community is basically what Silicon Florist is. To your blog. Which is interesting because the guy who created live journal went to Aloha High School. Oh, I don't know if you know that. Did he? Yeah. So, really? Anyway, yeah. Oh, there's so much in the recesses Talk of my brain. Talk about a game changer. Yeah. I mean, that was like a yeah. stepping stone to get to, I mean, where we're at now with like, totally. you know, like oh, Facebook. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so 
that was kind of like, I was like, well, I'll start doing this thing. And for whatever reason, like part of my motivation was like, I'm seeing interesting stuff in Portland and I'm reading TechCrunch or Read Right Web or Mashable or whatever was mm-hmm. out at that time. And they were never talking about Portland stuff. And I'm like, that idea that just got written up in TechCrunch is like not nearly as good as this idea I know is happening here. And it must have just been a similar chord where mm-hmm. like people are like, yes, people need to write about this stuff. And so people started sending me stuff, and I'm like, oh, awesome. oh man, yeah. people are reading my blog. That's real weird. Um, <laughs> I'm like, now I have to keep writing. And like, what am I going to do? What have I done? <laughs> I've, actually, I've created work for myself. And so, um, yeah, so that was really kind of yeah. how it started. And that was, I started in August of 2007. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So you've been, you've been at this a while. So you, yep. you've really kind of chronicled the history of startups in Portland. Of this generation. Yeah. How many, yeah. How many yeah. projects do you have? I mean, you, <laughs> yeah, you have a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You, Too many to name on both hands. On, on both hands. And, and I think one of the fascinating things I, I, I think when, excuse me, one of the fascinating things I think about when I when you come up is that you have all this institutional Portland knowledge of just right. the gears and who is who and yeah. how do I connect this dot. Um, but well, you, like Stephen, I mean, yeah. like Stephen who was on the show before, like he's been here a long time and he grew up here and like he's got all these amazing connections of people who've stayed part of Portland. Mm-hmm. I've been like that, but on a very like discrete path like most of my stuff is just like software technology people that happen to become web or open source tech people I mean with with like being an English major um, and doing what you do now it seems like you're like really into getting information to people yeah you know yeah yeah I mean I think that's fair you know put it in simple terms but you've always kind of been the hub I think of a lot of activity and I think that's a really interesting perspective because not a lot of people kind of sit in the eye of the storm and watch all this kind of stuff swirl around. Because before this job, I worked at Technology Association of Oregon, yeah. which was not the same thing, but it was more <laughs> towards the eye than I think a startup would be because right. you're constantly talking to people. And I, I managed our membership, um, so I was constantly talking to startups mm-hmm. and giant companies. Uh, and it was just really interesting to see all these threads and how they worked together. Yeah. Uh, but I think that you're kind of like really in the eye of that storm. So you, you see like this company's growing and that's happening over here. So how's this? So you're kind of like, I don't know, like a level five tech mage. <laughs> like F5. <laughs> With very low charisma. With, I, low I think yeah. you have great charisma. My, one of my first nights back in town, I watched you give a talk at Pi because I was looking for a job yep. uh, at the armory. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Switchboard is so it's not my company. Okay, that's a company that came through Pi. Okay, but right. so what I do is I'm really good at b- being super tactical and starting things. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not visionary. I work really well with visionary people. Yeah, but I just am like, well, let's try it. Let's start it. And yeah. so I'd wind up starting a lot of things. Like Switchboard's a good example. The yep. Portland startup Switchboard. So I got my current job. I saw it on there. Yeah. Ta-da. Yeah. And then so, the yeah. um, Silicon Florist, like the Portland Startup Slack channel that's got like 4,000 people on it or whatever. Um, Built Oregon, we started because we, um, Mitch Doherty, uh, Terry St. Marie, 
an eye because we saw an opportunity in the consumer products industries that they were going through some startup struggles, but there wasn't really a, a voice for consumer products writ large. There might be like food and bev or apparel or whatever, but like, how do you help that entire industry kind mm -hmm. of level up? Um, Oregon Storyboard? Oregon Storyboard, oh, okay. which um, we started because we recognized an opportunity around people who are doing digital storytelling and video games and VR and AR. Um, I think of what else. Uh, I've been working a lot on the Portland Innovation Quadrant, which is just this concept of like, kind of like, it's kind of like pie on steroids. It's like, how oh. do we get everybody who's concerned about innovation or talent development all talking to one another yeah. and collaborating and providing a front door for that kind of activity? Um, yeah, so I just start random stuff. And then if it, oh, Tech Fest Northwest, I started that with oh, one week. Yeah. Um, I, I have to admit that I have only been to after parties. Oh, there you <laughs> because go. Because it was a part of Deployed. my job. Yeah. Because I always yeah. had to watch the booth. Yep. Oh, okay. Yep. Different. Um, Open Source Bridge, which is, I think this is their last year, but I was a part of the, the, the team that helped put the first one of those on. So, like, I generally do something, help people start something, yeah. and then people will either go, oh, that's crap, quit doing that, or they'll go, hey, this is a really good idea, and then I'll let more responsible people kind of run with it yeah, how and often, I'll step away. How often do you experience, like, failure with all these different projects? A lot. Know? A lot? How a do you, lot. How do you deal with it? Um, it... I'm just old. Like, oh, I've okay. failed so many times. <laughs> so, uh, I'm yeah. just like, uh, yeah. Like, I used to be, I was having this conversation with somebody the other day that, like, I used to be a brand manager at a startup, which meant I was, like, completely obsessed with everything being perfect and yeah. on brand and on voice and all that stuff constantly. And there was some point, you know, I was going through some old brochures or something that I could remember just like being totally focused on and I first sentence I found a typo and oh, I was like man. if I was that focused and still making mistakes why am I stressing about good. making mistakes all the time so that kind of started to inform there we go. behavior this episode's over take yeah. it with you <laughs> goodbye <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Uh, it's a knowledge bomb right there <laughs> <laughs> well Considering like the failure and the successes that you've had, where do you find the energy to keep balancing all that stuff? Because I know for me, I I'm not lazy. I might look lazy to many people, but you know I'm I'm kind of like a one thing at a time. That's what I'm going to focus sure. on. Yeah. Maybe a few other things, mm -hmm. but but you have like this galaxy of stuff happening around you. Like how do you keep on top of it? Yeah, what's like, the drive there? Like what you're just like I'm just going to do this. You know, it's like. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah, it's just fun to start stuff. It's fun mm -hmm. to like <clears throat> it's fun to be the tactical balance of a very I always think of Portland as very academic and like mm -hmm. driven by curiosity and like wanting to discuss things and figure stuff out and and envision perfect solutions. It's those 10 months of rain from yeah. that thinking. Yeah, yeah, to sit around in coffee shops yeah. and talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> or in bars, either way. Yeah. But the but I just like being that okay, let's let's do this let's try it and i think i think it's it's unfair to everyone to categorize me as doing more things because i don't actually do anything i like juggle a lot of stuff mm -hmm. but this is also an augmentation right like it's not like i stepped out of bed this morning and started <laughs> 10 things it's yeah. like these have all been added over mm -hmm. time and so 
I think I think the motivation is it gives me it's refreshing to be able to focus on something else. So when one project gets to be too much, yeah. then I can shift focus to another topic and let that muscle in the brain relax. Yeah, and then the go one. back yeah. when I need to or whatever. And so it's 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 building up the habits around certain projects to where they just become second nature. And then I think I get a little bored and I'm mm-hmm. like, well, I want to try something new or expand. So I don't, I don't think what I'm doing is any different than what most people do. I'm just old and I've been doing it for 20 years. <laughs> and so I've wound up with a lot of like lint in my startup pockets so yeah. to speak like it just it, it's just an you have a lot to lint to give yeah i have a lot of lint <laughs> yeah. um well, in my beard probably too i your beard is glorious <laughs> it's pretty good like i'm i'm aiming to get there yeah, yeah i mean i need to hack it back a little bit it's I, I, I feel like you keep going get the braid just <laughs> i want to be prepared to be a mall santa at some point yeah. i think i'm getting close uh if you are a level five tech mage mm-hmm. you need to have a larger beard yeah. <laughs> um um, no, that that's actually really fascinating. And I think that's one of the things that you've done and what you've just been talking about is you have carved your own career, it sounds like, on your strengths. Yeah. And I think that's definitely admirable. Um, is that how you say that word? Admirable. Yeah, admirable. admirable. No. I don't think I've said that word in like five years. <laughs> so sorry. Stone it out there. Pull it, pull Throw it, it out. out there. A thesaurus. Um, but, yeah, I think that's something that you've definitely – done and like how was it just an accident yes it's all purely accident i think it's i think it's and thank you and i and i i appreciate that but it all is just a series of happy accidents you just woke up one morning and it was awesome yeah i yeah well i woke up one i did not what i didn't do is wake up one morning and say 20 years from now i'm going to be juggling all of these projects All, all that happened was these things seem to make sense at the time. And if you look back, you can see a theme. Yeah. But at the time, I couldn't see that yeah. theme. Like, in being in the thick of it, I was just like, oh, that's interesting. And now you look back, and you're like, oh, that's obvious you would do that. And I'm like, whoa, is it? Yeah. I don't know. Do you normally sleep in, or do you wake up super early? Um, that's the real question. That's a good question. Yeah. I used to stay up really, really late. Yeah and sleep in Mm -hmm. and it's kind of started to shift now like i i think as i've um started dealing with more and more like email and like inbound stuff Mm -hmm. like i get stressed really early in the morning because i know if i let it go too long it's insurmountable um so i've started to get up a little bit earlier but yeah i used to be up at like stay up till 2 or 3 a.m and get up about seven or eight and then start working and now I'm more like by 11 or midnight I'm kind of calling it a day and (laughs) then getting up about five or six to start working on email and stuff yeah that's a long day it is but it's Mm -hmm. so it's not it's I get to work with amazing people every day who are doing really cool things and like that's what I was getting at yeah it's like Like, why, why do you do it it's like People don't know how talented they are, and they don't know That's what, you know what potential they have. And I am just like the, I am like the cheap B movie <laughs> plot writer, where I'm like, you know, yeah. in the third scene, you need to meet that person, and yeah. that's going to be amazing. And that's all my whole 
life is, is watching these plots go Mm -hmm. and be like, oh, this is an interesting connection, or this would further the plot if. And um, that's really the motivation, I think. And just by the way, listeners, when we uh, we were walking to the room to record this, uh, we ran into Stephen Green. And he was with, he was talking to somebody else. I didn't, I didn't know who it was, yeah. but you guys, they just totally did that. They connected the dots, and I think Stephen literally screamed the word, "Points, dots, <laughs> yeah. connect," yeah. and then yeah. ran up. Yeah. It happens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. and uh, yeah. So, so that's it's kind of fascinating to feel or or, or to hear rather that y- you you have this kind of carved out niche that you've developed for yourself it's super unique and, mm-hmm. and and I'd be really interested to kind of hear some of the insights that you have in the startup community here so that's something that directly affects me and Matt yep you know we work in a startup yep. yeah but and, and I know from my TAO days there's uh, certainty and uncertainty yep. uh, uncertainty in, in a lot of things the housing mm-hmm. uh, came up a lot yep. um, I mean that's a general Portland issue but uh, talent is a huge deal mm-hmm. o- Oregon and how it's historically been I think affects a lot of things here so yep. I, I would be very interested to get your insights about where we're at and where we're going. Yeah. Um, yeah, Portland's at a challenging point right now. I think um, I think there's some things about Portland that are great. I think there are some historical things that need to be changed, specific, spe- specifically around, like, diversity and inclusion. Like, we're the whitest city in the United States. You know, we don't have enough women involved in tech and startups and that kind of thing, um, people of color. I think there's some real opportunities there. I always say that um, you know Portland's big enough to be statistically relevant, but not so big that you can't affect change. And so I think we have some opportunities to experiment and figure out some ways that that we can work on solving some of these mm-hmm. more kind yeah. of like entrenched issues. My concern for Portland is this like it's not sudden popularity, but over the you know past three or four years, our increased popularity is you know with the the houselessness or the the affordability of housing, um, the affordability of officing. Like the we're starting to create a dynamic. So I grew up in rural southern Idaho and oh were, are you an Idaho boy? Yeah. So, Next door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just just um, a couple hours south of Sun Valley, Idaho. Oh, I know where that is. Yeah, Twin yeah. Falls. So um, I had always observed Sun Valley as a resort town where there was a very clear division between the people who took advantage of all the resources and the people who actually worked there and mm. where they lived oh, and okay. how they made their living. And Portland's starting to feel resort town-ish to yeah. me, oh, where totally. that divide is a real issue. So, I mean, those are those are some dangerous things I think we need to be careful with. Um, some of the other things that <clears throat> fo- that's seem to concern folks, like we don't have a lot of companies headquartered here, or Mm -hmm. we don't seem to grow very big companies here, or we don't have enough IPOs or enough VC. Like, that stuff doesn't worry me. Like, Portland will do Portland, and it'll do it well. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we just need to find ways of of communicating what Portland does well, Mm -hmm. which has always been a challenge, again, for the humility, has always been a challenge for folks. I think a lot of people are not confused, but they're like, hey, we weren't really promoting 
what Portland was like, and somehow everybody found out, and now they're all <laughs> moving. How did this happen? This is confusing. That, that's a <laughs> deeply entrenched Oregonian. Yeah. Hey, great that you're visiting. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think yeah. that's almost genetic at some point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. But I mean, there's some things that are going very well in Portland right now. Um, I think you know that we're we're. We're working through this. What does it mean to be a bigger Biggest metropolitan city. area, yeah. and yeah, and what what can we retain that so many us so many of us loved about the city, um, while while trying to change the the demographics and makeup of the city, and and how do we how do we plan now from the ground up mm-hmm. rather than. Um, just assuming that stuff will happen. I mean, it's very similar for startups, right? I think you see a lot of startups these days are like grow to 100 or 200 tech bros, and they're like, hey, now we need to diversify. And that's nearly (laughs) impossible. And so, like, how do you build from the ground up? Mm -hmm. Like, how do you you build that culture in at the beginning so that... um, Something that doesn't become an issue. Yeah. And and I think we're seeing that not only on the startup front, but we're seeing it from, you know, real estate development and, and the types of businesses yeah. we're trying to attract here and, like, all that kind of stuff, which is super interesting. Mm-hmm. And the face of Portland is going to change drastically, not only the face of the people of Portland, but when you have things like Seidel Yards and OMSI redeveloping and the ODOT blocks and the the post office blocks like oh yeah it's going to be a oh and if uh, the albina vision pro- project oh, yeah. in the rose quarter like the face of the city will change drastically over the next 5 to 10 years and and hopefully intentionally it'll change right. in that way yeah, too give it some direction yeah. yeah yeah what what do you think uh what, what's your biggest hope for for all the activity here like what is there an end goal for you for for startups in Portland like mm. is there like a like a like a plan for for what your your goal or role in that is not really again I'm not terribly visionary You're like showing up I'm just showing up and and kind of doing doing the work and um like I there are a lot of people who are far more visionary than me that I really respect and and try and champion efforts but um I don't know I like I think I think I'm constantly surprised by Portland in in both positive and negative ways, and so just trying to figure out how to keep more of the positive going, yeah, definitely, and 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 work to solve the negatives in any way that we can. Yeah. What's your life advice for a couple young guys in a startup? <laughs> okay, hey, let's get deep. That's great. Yeah. Make me cry. I love that. <laughs> so. Um, and this is something we've really been trying to rethink at Pi because mm-hmm. Pi was very much a borrowed model, right? Or girls. Guys are yes. girls. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. I always thought guys yeah. was now just neutral. <laughs> Am I wrong? I'm wrong. It gets thrown around yeah. Like, yeah, a little bit. But, um, but one of the mm-hmm. things we've kind of stepped back and started to assess is we were, re- we were really founder-focused, but only from a business perspective and we would create stress for the sake of creating stress or create an unhealthy environment for a person because we thought that was some kind of proving ground for them and so for people who are in startups you know and and it can be challenging to it's not balance but like 
understanding and recognizing your limits and understanding and recognizing that you need you need time for you and your family and your friends and that truly and I can say this from experience you know when I was in the dot-com days we were grinding 20 hours a day you know seven days a week and that got us absolutely nothing, right? It got us it got us absolutely nothing really, really fast. Yeah. But it didn't build a sustainable company, right? Yeah. So like I think I think you're doing yourself and your company a disservice by not taking time away. And I think one of the things I appreciate most about Portland is the culture here understands that. Yeah, and it's it really motivated does. by people being more well rounded. And you're not earning brownie points because you're the first car in or the last bike out. It's mm-hmm. because you're doing you're doing good work. And and if you can only do good work, solid, for like six or eight hours a day, great. And if you have to go home and brew beer or practice with your band or ride yeah. your bike 200 miles or whatever, <laughs> go do that. Yeah. Go refresh and figure that out because that's how you build more sustainable companies and, and hopefully people – who continue to enjoy working on the companies and products. And I think that's why people tend to stick with companies a little longer here because yeah. there's not that culture of burnout. Burning out. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Do, do you think that we could kind of help kind of spearhead that change from the industrial relationship with work to the information age mm. relationship with work? Yeah. Because I think one of the things, uh, if you read and look at things and um, – the country has gone through this giant change yep. in a very short amount of time. Yep. And other parts of history, when you look back at those, uh, a lot of things change. I think our relationship with work is that. Yep. And do you think that we, we could kind of pioneer a healthier model than what we find in uh, San Francisco and the Bay Area or in New York? Right. I hope so. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, yeah. I think there's the potential for that. I think – so I think um, – and no offense to – all my friends in the, the in the Bay Area yeah. or in New York, but I'm a firm believer that there's kind of like Bay Area and then everywhere else, mm-hmm. right? Like, and stuff that works in the Bay Area works in the Bay Area because of the dynamics that are at play there. And to some extent, New York has that as well. And maybe in a growing way, maybe Seattle has mm-hmm. some similar dynamics. But I think the potential with Portland is that it's something that works in Portland is more likely to work in small urban communities exactly, across yeah. the United States yeah. or around the world you can than, than something from San Francisco is going to work elsewhere. So yeah. I always remain hopeful that maybe we'll hit upon some models like we've done with um, like urban design and urban development. Like those models have been adopted elsewhere maybe we can do some stuff like that around work or around the culture of work or around the engagement with work and kind of learn learn how to be better about that um yeah i mean that's a great way of thinking you know it's just with the city growing there's just a lot of opportunity to kind of carve the path for what could potentially be other places in the world you know so it's it's kind of everyone has their kind of stake in in what it could be And, and i think what portland at least I don't think we've lost our way on this, but what amazed me in kind of just researching the history of Portland and kind of especially around urban design and that kind of thing is, you know, I refer to it as Portland used to be really good at making like ridiculous decisions. Like 
Like in in the in the like in the exact definition of ridiculous, right? Like it was like they were getting ridiculed for saying, "No, we want people to live in the city, and we don't want suburban sprawl, and right, we don't yeah. want we want a park, not a freeway, yeah, and we don't mm-hmm. want to destroy a neighborhood to put a freeway out to Mount Hood or whatever." Like they were making these decisions. We want a living room in the middle of our downtown instead of a parking garage. Those were crazy decisions back then. And and we they were really good at making those decisions. And we today, 40 years later, are benefiting from those ridiculous decisions. And mm-hmm. I think our opportunity now is what ridiculous decisions can Portland be making that 40 years from now are going to make it a city that's better for everyone yeah. there. That's why we're here. That's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, do you have anything you want to share, like things that you're working on, uh, places you want us to go check out online? Or I, I mean, I'm on the internet. Like, if if anything I said is interesting, <laughs> newsflash, you know, this man is. I us- I'm usually Tarosi just because it's so easy to spell and find. You know, like just throw a bunch of consonants together and you'll practically hit me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think just I always encourage folks like. And, and it's not a secret, but sometimes it's hard for people to figure out. Like, my favorite thing about Portland is that everybody is really naturally accessible. Like That is very true. Like, and if you don't know that, <laughs> if you don't know that, you're constantly searching for what networking event do I have to go to or where, what, what, where do I have to be to meet people. And I think the thing I want people to know is, like, you can cold email anybody in town and they will likely get back to you and say, yeah, let's grab coffee or so like, let's, let's yeah. do something. So like know that. And if anything I said struck a chord, like drop me an email and like, let's grab coffee and chat about it or whatever. Like, I think <laughs> people just need to know that that's because that's atypical of an urban environment. Like usually you have to go, go to the networking event, small talk, business cards, <laughs> then email them, then see if maybe they'll grab a coffee. Whereas in Portland, we just kind of shortcut that whole thing. We're like, just assume that you can go to coffee with me. Yeah, so, that's so nice. I, I have been to many networking events, and I had the exact three things of small talking. Kids, vacation, mm-hmm. work. Like, that's start, start happy, start happy. Okay, let's talk about work. Yep. Yeah. And it was... Terrible. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Well, um, yeah. thanks for having me. This was fun. No, thank you for coming. It of means course. a lot. Uh, so, that concludes our fourth episode, which yeah. is kind of a large number mm-hmm. when this was just kind of a harebrained idea. It was just an idea. Yeah, you're out of prime yeah. numbers now. You can actually divide by two. On oh, stuff. no. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess we got to keep going. <laughs> my, my fear now is that people are going to start listening and we're going to have to keep right. doing it. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's your fear. That's <laughs> not my fear, yeah. but I mean, it's, it's a good problem to have. So Yeah, it's dangerous because that's exactly what happened to me. So be careful. Like oh, yeah. You may be creating a lot of work for yourself. That's that's I'm I'm okay with that because it's so fun and fascinating. <laughs> so thank you so much for coming. For sure. Uh, thank you guys for listening. If you want to help the show out, please rate us a five or a ten wherever you're listening to us, and uh, tell a friend about the show. Uh, share us on social media. Uh, you can drop us a line on our website www. and uh with three h's three h's dot com. Man, I should have gotten two H's, but it's too late. It's it's too late. We're, we're I thought H's. it was like some homage to like Triple H from the WWE. 
It's, I think it's Triple H. That's what it was, right? Yeah. I, you remember oh, Triple H from back in the day? Come on. <laughs>